Hello and welcome to episode five of The Culture. Mark, I'm so happy to be back. Episode five. I'm glad to be back too. Yeah, so sorry guys, I was took a little hiatus. Um, I had a friend, a dear friend of mine that passed away a couple weeks ago. So my brain was elsewhere for, during that time. So um, we're happy to be back, but I was happy for the rest as well. Absolutely. Very much needed. No apologies. Right. So, okay, I'm excited about this one today because this is like really how I got into this whole field in general. Um, so today we are talking about the FLDS. Football League. Keep going. Football Fo- League. Football League. NFL. NBA. <laughs> FLDS. No. The FLDS are the fundamental Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints. Mormons. Yes. The fundamentalist Mormons. Different version. Different version. So we'll get into it. But I got into this. This is like the first group that I learned about. I learned about this in high school, and I was like super, super, super intrigued by them. And this is kind of what sent me down the cult spiral. What high school class was this? Um, my class that I created myself. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you learned no. about them in high school. I just learned about it Outside. on my okay. own. Yeah. I was like, what curriculum? I'm trying to think about what curriculum possibly no, could have included this. I started uh, learning about this after watching this parent, this show with my parents called Big Love on HBO. And, um, remember I was allowed to watch whatever I wanted. So I watched this show And anyways, I just got, like, obsessed with it. And then I read some books and stuff, Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. He's the guy who wrote Into the Wild. No. Okay. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) You uncultured swine. Oh, you're telling me yes, or you're telling me he did not write that? No, he did. Uh, He did. Jack London? No, that's Call of the Wild. Oh, what is this? Into the Wild. Remember the guy that goes into the... The bus in the middle of nowhere and, you know, spoiler alert, he dies out there in the bus trying to survive it out in Alaska. I got nothing. Okay. What's the other one? What's the um, the book that, the Christian book that was super popular back in the day day? I have Something no idea. Something Wild at Heart. Oh, God. Okay, so that, those are my, those are my combo <laughs> comparison. Jack London and Wild at Heart. No. Neither of those two are correct. No. Okay. Okay, cool. Good talk. So, <laughs> yeah, moving on. So, anyways... Um, this group is a group that was originally comes from the LDS tradition, but at a certain point breaks off and does its own kind of interesting, weird stuff. So to talk about this today, we have to talk about the origins of the Mormon church because that's where it sprouted off from originally. So we're going to talk about that first. Do you know anything about that church? The Mormon church? Mm-hmm. Mm, New York? Left persecution, ended up in Utah. Okay, this is not that's bad. History. This is not I mean, bad. it's history, so that's, I, I only know it through the lens of history. Okay, so let's get going then. So this starts, like you said, in the New York area in the early 1800s. Remember, New York was popping at this time for religious revivals and revelations and all this stuff. This is where spiritualism was this happening. before spiritualism? Same time? Uh, it's about, co- it's contemporary with neighbors? it. Neighbors? Yeah. They're neighbors. You do your thing, I'll do mine? Yeah. Okay. So, um, at the age of 14, Joseph Smith Jr. 
um, who is the eventual founder of the Latter-day Saints Church, a.k.a. Mormonism. Um, Joseph Smith Jr. has a revelation at age 14 where he sees God and Jesus, and they tell him that all other denominations are wrong and to not join any and to basically he has to make his own, like he has to establish the true church of Christ on earth because everybody else has been defiled. He receives through a dream? No, 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 no. Like literally like apparitions, like Jesus, God, come and talk to him. Got it. People didn't like this either because he referred to Jesus as God and God as two separate beings. Well, he's also 14. So they they were okay with that? No, they didn't like it. So this was in 1820. Which 14 is like an adult. Right, true. You're halfway to death. <laughs> true. So um, though though Smith has this revelation, he just kind of continues being in a 14-year-old for some time. You know, he's still kind of figuring it out. And Joseph Smith Jr. was known to use these tools. Have you ever heard of divination? Where they would, like, do these things to find water and, like... Yeah, it's like a... Um, it's supposed to, like... It's on a s- string... I think the same thing. It's like a little rock on a string, and it's supposed to like yeah. move a certain way. Well, there was a bunch of different trinkets and stuff yeah. like that. But he was like, he was one of the people. His dad was like this. Joseph Smith Sr. used these divination tools to find like treasure and stuff. It's like geocaching. <laughs> yeah, like the original, the original geocaching. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon Go in the 1800s. Yeah, so he, Joseph Smith, was known to use divination tools like these things called seer stones where you'd put the stone in a hat, and then it would lead you to... I don't even... I don't really know, but... Super scientific. Really? Mm-hmm. So then, in 1823, he's now 17. Joseph um, prays to God to forgive his sins, and the angel Moroni, this is where the term Mormon comes from, comes to him and tells him of some buried golden tablets on a hill nearby. Um, basically, like Moses 2.0. Better version of tablets. They're golden. Yeah. Right. And that basically that these tablets talk of ancient American people. So we're talking about native people. Native Americans. And that it has the fullness of the gospel. So Moroni says, you got to go get these tablets. I was always wondering where the name came from. Mm-hmm. Why the different name between Latter-day and if Saints you look Mormon. at Mormon temples, there's an angel that has like a trumpet. That's Moroni. Is it mentioned anywhere? Any other like Old Testament? No, or anything? Okay, so this one's theirs. Yep. Okay. The Book of Mormon is one of the fundamental texts to the LDS Church. So the LDS Church uses both the Bible and the Book of Mormon, and the Book of Mormon has all these stories of these ancient. American people that were visited by Jesus and that one of the lost tribes of Israel ended up in the U.S. and it has the angels in that one yeah that's where you get that one Mm -hmm. so okay all right so then he hears this thing from Moroni the next day Joseph finds the tablets um, but he's told by Moroni that he cannot have them until he returns on that same day, September 22nd, for the next four years. Okay, so he can't have the tablets until four years later. But he knows where they are. 
Yeah. And so he visits them every four year or every, every year? year for four years on September 22nd. Yeah. Is that a holiday in the Mormon church? I, I think so. I don't know for sure. I think Seems it's called like, specific. I think it's called like, I know they have a day called pioneer day, but I, I, I think that they have a day for this one too. It would make sense. This is in Camorra on Camorra Hill. Okay. So anyways, also the more, the Moroni tells Joseph's that if he touches it, he's going to pay a price. Joseph touches it. He's thrown to the ground. Okay. So four years pass. He's visited every year for four years. It's 1827 now. He digs up the gold plates, Joseph. Um, and he's told to not show them to anyone, but he does. He shows them to his wife. And he says that the plates have been written in Reformed Egyptian and that he has these special spectacles, a.k.a. glasses, that will allow him to translate this. Decoder of sorts. Dude, this reminds me. Do you remember National Treasure where they put on the glasses that oh, allow yeah. them? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking it's like the desk. They're like in the desk, right? Mm-hmm. Like Benjamin Franklin's yeah. glasses. Yeah. Like that's what I'm thinking of. So, okay. Joseph and his wife, Emma, he's married at this time. Um they flee because people around the town are like hearing about these plates and they're going to come steal them. He's been talking about it or he hasn't been talking about it. He has been talking about it to the town people. So they know, well, he's been saying, you know, it's a telephone game. Yeah. So and he takes them with him. Mm-hmm. So he has them now in his possession. Yes. Okay. Okay. So then he starts dictating what the tablets say to his wife so she can write it down. And again, he's using these spectacles now, at one point, um, Emma stop, stops transcribing this, and this farmer that takes them in as they're trying to flee because people are trying to steal the tablets, this farmer, Martin Harris, he starts to write it down now, but then he shows the copy of this to his wife, and then he loses the copy, the only copy. Never to be found again. Uh, apparently, yeah. That would be crazy if it existed somewhere. That would be. That would be a national treasure search <laughs> for sure. Worth we need Nicolas Cage on the job. Yes. So, yeah. So then in 1828, the angel takes the plates back. Moroni's like, psych, you don't get to have these for right now because you haven't been doing what I've been saying. Like, you're not supposed to talk to people about this stuff. Like, yada, yada. So he takes it back, the angel. And also, he's been out, like, transcribing this stuff, and his wife was pregnant and lost a baby, and he didn't even know. Okay, and then September 22nd, he gets the tablets back again. So, definitely September 22nd is, like, a day. day. Yeah. Yeah. I need to look that up. Okay, I will. So, <laughs> then, in 1829, a different dude named Oliver Cowdery, he's a teacher, he takes the job up of scribing the dictation. He starts transcribing and they finish it in june of 1829 so how long so how long did he take to transcribe it then what is uh two years okay that's a long time yeah well it's in ancient reformed egyptian hard to learn (laughs) right so then um oliver and joseph smith go into the woods to pray and they say that John the Baptist visits them. Like, again, John the Baptist is coming to them. And he gives them the Aaronic priesthood. 
like Aaron, the priesthood of Aaron. Oh, uh-huh, from the Old Testament. Yes. So he's like the next in line. Right. So they give the, John the Baptist gives them the Aaronic priesthood. They also give them the Melchizedek priesthood, which allows them to heal people, basically. So he gets all of these things. and In the woods with Oliver. But they're the only ones that are there. Yeah. So no one else hears or knows. Just them two. At the, at the time. Yeah. So then John the Baptist basically declares that Joseph is the first elder of the, the new church of Christ on earth. And that Cowdery is the second. Oliver Cowdery is the second. And they baptize each other in the Sus- Susquehanna River. How do you say that? I don't know. Okay. Well, that's my best guess. <laughs> that's, pretty good. that's a pretty good guess. So they baptize each other in the river. All right. Then they get a copyright for the Book of Mormon. And 11 witnesses say that they saw the plates, and several say that they saw the angel. So this gives credibility to the story. Yes, and right? this is how they get the copyright. Oh, yeah, because you're going to need some witnesses. Mm-hmm. So they're not just giving out copyrights right. to randos. Right. So 1830, the Book of Mormon is published. Now, Joseph Smith is the original prophet of the church. Now, the way the Mormon church works is that there's a prophet who is basically the mouthpiece of God. He is the head of the church. Then you have um, the quorum. There's like the 12 apostles. So there's like 12 apostles, and then there's a quorum of 70. There's church hierarchy. Okay? Like leadership hierarchy. Yes. So it just works its way down. So similar to like the Catholic church. Yeah. So like if we're comparing it, like Joseph Smith's the Pope to the Mormons. Got it. Um, but they call him the prophet and like what the prophet says goes, it's like God's law. Like Pope. Yeah. But even on a higher, like higher level than the Pope to the Mormons. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously like yeah. the Mormons aren't going to think the Pope is the guy. Right. But I'm just saying like, especially as he's alive, right? Joseph Smith is it. Like, I feel like for Catholics, like the Pope is like, like a, like is a representative for God whereas like the prophet in the Mormon church like I don't know I don't know it is very comparable but it just seems more elevated sure okay so higher okay so all right Joseph Smith he publishes the book of Mormon also Joseph Smith was like a really like um industrious dude like he made his own printing press and like all this stuff. So super intelligent, like had some cred. Yeah. He became a mayor, tried to run for president. Like okay. stuff gets ambitious. Old. Yes. That's yeah. the right word. So um, the first meeting of the LDS happens with about 50 people. And Joseph Smith at this time becomes the prophet in 1830. And the first missionaries are sent out. So they're starting real quick with that Hit missionizing. Mm-hmm. With the black skinny tie. <laughs> no, <laughs> Don't I'm kidding. do that. So, uh, and the bikes. So then Joseph Smith, he gets arrested this year for preaching. People are like not having it. Like the people, the non-Mormons are like, get out of here. We don't like you. Still in New York at this time. Mm, I think so. Because then they're going to move to Missouri. They're like in Ohio and Missouri. Kirtland, Ohio, and then um, in a town in Missouri. In that transition period. Yeah, sure. So then in 1831, Smith is having all these revelations. Um, 
and he's documenting these and independence missouri is declared the new jerusalem and they start building a temple there and smith starts writing his own translation of the bible um in 1832, Joseph Smith creates the first presidency of the Latter-day Saints, and he gets tarred and feathered in front of his house this year, also by angry Missourians. Missouri do not play. No. <laughs> They're like, get out. They did not like him. Um, and, uh, like, legit, like, the Mormons were persecuted by these no, people. No, I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, tar and feather, that's, I know it's, like, in cartoons and stuff, but that's no joke. Yeah. That sounds really painful. I mean, they were doing that to traitors during the Revolutionary War and stuff. Like, it was right. torture. So, 1833, more violence is occurring against Mormons in Missouri, and he's kind of in Ohio and Missouri at the time. Joseph Smith, he's kind of bouncing around. And then Brigham Young, who will later become the prophet, he moves to Kirtland um, and has become a Mormon at this time. He was a Methodist before. So... Everyone except the Mormons hate Joseph Smith and want him gone. And so Joseph Smith will bop in and out of jail for several years, all while creating revelations for his church and publishing a lot of works. Um, in 1840, Joseph Smith becomes the mayor of Nauvoo, Illinois. So he's moving up in the world. People didn't like the Mormons, especially because they said that they were trying to establish a theocracy in like at a city level well yes or and then eventually at a statehood higher. level and they've been through that before yeah right? not that long ago talking about england and really mm -hmm. having the church being tied to the right. government so yeah people were not having it with them um so then okay in 1843 there are two major revelations and this is kind of where uh this will start turning into what the split happens? No, no, but this is like a huge part of the FLDS theology. So first, the dead can be baptized. This is the first revelation. So like, for example, let's say you have a dead great-grandparent. They could baptize you on his behalf, and then he would be saved according to this revelation. So the Mormon church is very, very tied to Ancestry.com. They have a ton of research, archival records, because they do baptisms for the dead. Still to this day. Yes. Okay. The second major revelation, which is the primary feature of the FLDS, is that polygamy is permissible and sometimes even mandatory, according to Joseph Smith. Whoa. Taking a turn. <laughs> so we're going to have many wives. One guy, many wives. Anytime ever the other way or no? Polyandry? Yeah. Um, I believe that that happens sometimes in ooh, in native tribes. But not in this situation? No. Very patriarchal? Never. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But, but really, like pretty, it would like, make common, more sense. Though, right? Like, I mean, uh, polygamy, people, yeah. I mean, people like that's what they, I feel like unfairly say that that's what all Mormons. No, no, no. They don't do that. Yeah. But the original church did. That's why there is a split, because eventually the, the mainstream LDS church will reject polygamy, and the fundamentalists are like, no. There's always that big split, right? There's always yeah. that issue, whether it's baptism, whether it's right. what you think happens during communion, all of those things are what causes split. So that's going to eventually become that split. Yes. Okay, so Joseph Smith 
Oh, by the way, Emma, his wife, not pleased with this revelation. Of course. I would imagine <laughs> not many wives were about this. Right. But Joseph Smith will have 25 wives eventually. His successor, Brigham Young, who will become the leader of the group of Mormons that, you know, blaze their path to Utah, he will have uh, 20 wives and have 57 kids. All legit. Like, this is all documented, not yeah. rumor. Oh, no. Yeah. Documentation. There's real, documentation. Real wives. Yeah. Well, not legal wives, spiritual wives. Okay, so it's Cause sort you of... Because you can't... Because it's illegal. Yeah, so it's sort of just one of those things that, like, we're doing our own thing over here. Right. It, we're all on the same page. Yeah. Okay, so then... In 1844, Joseph Smith says he's going to run for president of the United States. Love this ambition. Yeah. He's getting real, like, feisty. He's like, let's do this. He's the mayor already, so he's got yeah. some, some political so, clout. Got some cred. <laughs> that town was probably small, but that's okay. <laughs> and made of Mormons, yeah, but yeah. That's all right. So long story short, he says some stuff that lands him in jail because he calls for the destruction of a rival newspaper. And in jail, he and his brother get murdered by a lynch mob. Jeez. Yeah. That I did not know. Yeah. So does he ever actually? He does. So he doesn't run for president, or he's no. on like. So he's never on a ticket. Never about. I it. don't think so, but I think he's kind of like doing a Kanye kind of thing here. Okay, so this is the original Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! So him and his brother are both dead. Yeah, him and Hiram. They let him in to do it. I mean, he's in jail. I think that the people were the townspeople and the sheriff and whatever the other were way for a second. Yes, the keys are on the counter. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so at this time is the first of many divisions because there are a bunch of people that are like, "This is who should lead." No, this is who should lead now. No, this is who should lead it's now. Islam. Kinda, yeah. Right after Muhammad. It's interesting that you say that because in my studies, I mean, I basically studied this in college like this was my focus a lot of people at the time would call them the mormons the mohammedans of the west oh interesting they made a lot of parallels I can see it. Um, and this is another one of course right who's right. going to take over well polygamy and then that and then like some of their architecture just a lot of things okay so they battle to figure out who's going to be leader not really, no. They Brig just make different groups. But Brigham Young had some clout in the group at this point. Yeah, he was, I think, in the either one of the 12 apostles oh, okay. or he was in the quorum of the seven. So he's already established. Yeah. So he becomes the dude who leads the people to Utah. This will become the Mormon church, the mainstream Mormon church. Um, the Another group, the group that is kind of spearheaded by his wife, Emma, who was not happy about the polygamy, they form what's called the RLDS Reorganize Latter-day Saints, which later becomes called, like, the Community of Christ. They rename themselves later. Are they still around? Yeah. So, But that's not LDS. No. So now we're, now we're getting multiple branches coming out. <laughs> yeah. So Emma picks up the torch but says, my husband, not right about this one. Yes. So we're, we're going to She literally was like, he doing. was going a little whack. Yeah. We're going to stay on our path, but we're going with no polygamy. Yeah. And then Brigham says, we're keeping the polygamy. <laughs> yeah. Probably in his 20s at this time. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So so then, oh, and he was, a, he was a widow already. 
oh, wow. when he moved to Kirtland. So, I mean, why not? So, anyways. He was looking. In 1852, people start finding out outside of the church about this polygamy stuff. And people are like, no, this is bad. We're going to persecute the Mormons. Like, like literally, literally, the president sent in the army and, like, they had battles in Utah and stuff. Man, I do not know that history. It is so interesting. Sure. Um, so then throughout the rest of the 1800s, the U.S. government works to make bigamy and polygamy illegal. In 1893, thousands of Mormons have been convicted under the Edmonds Act, which was an act that condemned bigamy. So they were actually going to jail for this? Mm-hmm. Not in Utah. Or, yeah, I guess in Utah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure, but mostly, yeah. Hmm. So then in 1890, okay, Wildrow Woodruff, he's the prophet at that time. He denounces polygamy. He's prophet. After Brigham. After, okay, so Brigham's gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, next guy comes in line. Wildrow Woodruff. He denounces polygamy. Coincidentally, maybe not. A few years later, Utah gets its statehood. Based on that, probably. Basically, influence. they needed to do that to yeah. get the government to give them a state. Makes sense. So though he declared this, like he didn't say this was like God's law, but he just is like, no, we're not doing this anymore. People still were doing this, but they weren't like talking about it. They were being like, hush, hush about polygamy. All the DL. Yeah. But it gets them their statehood. Which gets them right. national power. Okay, but then in the 1930s, it starts really changing and people are like not down with polygamy anymore. And this is where the split happens between the LDS church and the FLDS church. This is why when, what'd you call him? Woodrow? Woodruff? Woodruff. Well, so it's, a, it's a while later. Okay, so he's gone. But they're like, Mormons are getting heat for being polygamous and so they're like that's not us we're not doing that anymore and then the flds splits where did the flds go they go to the border between arizona and utah to this area called short creek and they're still there Mm -hmm. but there's different groups there's one in bountiful canada there's some in mexico like they're kind of interspersed um but yeah so the estimated number of fundamentalists is somewhere between 30,000 and 60,000 people total. Worldwide? Yeah. That's a lot. In Short Creek, there's roughly 10,000. It's also a lot. Right. Okay, so they go through a few different names. So in 1930, the first name that the FLDS was called was originally called the Priesthood Work, or a.k.a. The Work. Um, in yeah, ni- Not great. <laughs> Try again. In 1942, they're called the United Effort Plan, which, okay. It sounds like a like, government. What does that even mean? like a government financial aid. That, it sounds like a bank. Yeah. <laughs> Try again. And then in 1991 is when they're rebranded the FLDS. Better. So, um, okay. So we're talking about this very specific group in Short Creek. Okay. So we're going to pick up in 1984. The profit of that group. So, Remember, this is completely separate now from the LDS church. This is like their own little thing. How does LDS feel about them using their name? They don't like it. Okay, so they're not, they, they even recognize them or they're like, no, these are not our people. These are not our people. Y'all went off the deep end. Yes. 
So new prophet, small Leroy S. Johnson, and he's dying. This is 1984. He's the prophet of this group. And this guy, Rulon Jeffs, he was a member of the seven. Okay. Like this. So they keep the same structure. Yeah. For the most part. Until Rulon takes power and Rulon's like, psych, I'm the prophet and none of you are in power anymore. Bye-bye. Absolute power. Yes. So he seizes power. Okay. That's in 1984. 2002, Rulon's dying. He's had like a stroke, all this stuff. And his son, Warren Jeffs, comes into power. Have you ever heard of Warren Jeffs? That name sounds like... Kind of sounds familiar, like I'm not super smart, but it kind of does sound like I've heard the name before. He's a bad guy. Where would I have heard the name before? Uh, on the news, because he was arrested. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> so Warren Jeffs takes control in 2002, and um, again, there's infighting. There's some more splits, because people are not liking how he's doing stuff. And basically, Warren is a psycho who's taken over the entire group yeah and he he rules with an iron fist he takes away everything fun no tv no radio you can't have certain toys you have to just listen to his sermons all day you can't wear certain colors like he sucks so he's trying to mold this into a very cult community here it is yes yes so a little background on warren Warren Jeffs was born in Sacramento in 1955. Um, His dad had 50 wives. And when Warren was born, he was born two months prematurely, but he survived. And so then he kind of became this, like, golden child. He grew up outside of Salt Lake City where he taught at an FLDS school called Alta Academy, and he was the principal where kids remembered him as being very strict and very disciplinarian. So he already felt the power a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He's a psycho, like legit. Um, Here's where it's going to take a bad turn. Two of his own children have accused him of sexual abuse, um, and many others who are not his own children also have. Um, He made a ranch in West Texas where he called it the Yearning for Zion. So basically, this is what he did. He made this compound, basically, where all these women and children would be placed by him to marry some dude in the community. Arranging marriages. Yes. It's called placement marriage. He was in sole charge of that. So it would be like if, you know, your daughter, when she was 12, was chosen to marry some 40-year-old dude. Then they went to the ranch to go and live together and do that whole thing. Yeah, but he would also have, like, 20 other wives. Yeah, I mean, it just becomes... Yeah, and and the, the amount of wives a guy receives is basically, like, equal to how loyal he is to the leader. So everyone's sucking up. Yes. And so also, Warren Jeffs would kick the young men out of the group just because he wanted to eliminate competition. And so those boys would be called the lost boys. And they're gone from the whole community. The yeah, whole they're community, banished. Excommunicated. Yeah. Yeah. Just dumped on the side of the road with nothing. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So, um,. He's, like, doing all kinds of weird stuff. He has 70 marriages. 
70 wives, a third of them are girls that are underage. So he's a perv. Yeah. And um, long story short, like, he's a total, he's like what you think of when you think of a cult leader. Like, completely, like, solely in control when anybody challenges him. Like, he, like, yes. And, like, banishment and, like, doubles down. So, like, he would make them all listen to these tapes of him, like, throughout the whole compound like him just talking like all day long and he has this creepy freaking voice and he would say things to the girls like like i'm trying to do his voice (laughs) he'd be like women you must keep sweet and it's like ew like ew just hearing him is so disgusting and they just play it like in speakers in the city yeah like all day long yeah that's very like that's what north korea does yeah, play his old speeches and it's supposed to like give this idea of nationalism mm-hmm. and really make it seem like he's important and so it's exactly what he's doing here too yeah so do the voice again keep sweet <laughs> <laughs> so so do the rest of the episode in the voice <laughs> i can't um so anyways stuff starts coming against him because people these boys are getting kicked out they're like this is wrong so they start filing lawsuits then his nephew accuses him of sexual abuse as a child so warren jeffs is like bounce he's like bye i'm running away so he is on the run and he is put on fbi's top 10 most wanted i think this was in 2000 let me see what year this is like yeah 2005 it must be where I heard his name from before. Yeah. So he's arrested in a traffic stop. The best. Idiot. The best. They find four computers, 16 mobile phones. He has three wigs, a dozen pair of sunglasses, and more than $55,000 in cash in his Dicey. car. Dicey. Dicey. <laughs> no story gets you out of that one. Right. So also, that's another thing to note, is that this group... Every member has to surrender their property to him and all their wealth. So he's got cash. Yeah. He owns all of it. Yeah. He spends it with like a, you don't need these things. They're yeah. distractions. Yes. Get come closer to God. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Tale as old as time. Yep. It's like the cult handbook. Yeah. So anyways, he gets arrested. Um he tries to hang himself in jail because he's just literally the worst. Um, he is eventually sentenced to 10 years for marrying a 14-year-old to her 19-year-old cousin. That's it? 10 years? Well, he gets more oh, later okay. because more people start coming out. Still, They find tapes that he had made of his encounters with his wives, one of which was 12. Oh. That'll get you more than 10. And they play it in court. Oh, this not on TV. Um, no, I don't think that was. Yeah, but that's a good call. Um, that's uncomfortable. Basically, he's like assaulting this child. Of and course. he's recording it. Yeah. In their temple. Hard to save face after that one. He literally, I just, like, can't stand him. Like, he's just, like, literally the worst. Like, he's just, like, this insecure guy who got power and, like, was, like, I'm going to just be the worst. Is anyone defending him? His people? Yeah. So his people are still Still in follow it. him. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I guess still it's still going. From right? jail. But even during this time, as he's on trial. Mm-hmm. So he said, like, he'll say to his um, followers that they have to pray for him to get out of jail. And if he doesn't get out of jail, it's their fault. He's still alive? Yeah, he's in jail. He's 65. Yeah. How, long did, how long did he get? I'm not sure, but he's, he has a life sentence. Life sentence. He's not getting out. I don't think so. Wow. He's this skinny, like, just smarmy-looking, disgusting person. That is crazy that he's still alive. And probably yeah. still has power. He does. He can still direct them. And, the, and then the wives will, like, bring phones into the jail for him. And, like, he'll, like, make recordings still and stuff. Now, I've heard that there has been some movement away from him in recent years. But, I mean, I think that he was still in a lot of control for a long time. Well, especially with that older generation. I feel like we see that, like they will follow him and then the new ones are like mm, maybe not so much oh also similar to north korea um the schools that the kids have to go to teach that warren jeffs is the president and that we never landed on the moon which is up your alley don't do that <laughs> don't do that um and they have tons of tunnels underneath their compound to evade and so the, the compound's still there yeah you can go can you go to this town yeah have you been Heck no. Should we go? Uh, I'm a little scared. They, they've got guns and stuff. Like, they're not messing around. They've got guns and stuff. <laughs> like, they have a whole, like, security system. Like, these dudes that, like, patrol. Okay, we're not going. Yeah. And the, the poor women look like they're legit from the 1800s. They wear these things called prairie dresses that are horrendous. And they have to wear their hair in these, like, coiffed, like, braids and like bunt it's just weird so bizarre it's just yeah really weird there's so many shows on this where it'll be like escaping polygamy or like okay so this is is big love okay yeah so big love is about a community just like this true story no it's a drama but it's it's like based in historical facts and stuff is there is there like a, a tlc yes sister wives that's these people sort of like they are FLDS but they're not that type of FLDS they're more like the big love FLDS which is like they wear normal clothes yeah they I guess there's not going to be a show about they this. don't live in the compound yeah this crew's probably not going to get a show the people who escape it oh yeah I guess you could do like an after there are it's actually that. crazy like the women will like have to like jump out of the window and like run and get like people to like take them away because then the people will kidnap them Jeez. back this is 2021 mm-hmm. still happening mm-hmm. well we gotta fix this well they're working on it so yeah he is in jail so that's the only difference that's the big splitter um and that they do the arranged marriages okay like, trying to figure out the separation between these groups now it makes sense why the mormons would want nothing to do with this dude yeah and his people yeah well and even like the people on sister wives like they're all consenting adults these people have child brides. Yeah, that's different. Like, not chill. Yeah, not at all. So, um, I mean, if if three people want to marry one dude, okay, I don't really care, personally. But, like... Adults. Adults, exactly. Yeah. But we shouldn't be forcing kids, ever, you know? And especially young girls. Like, they don't have any say. Um, so, yeah, he... 
like when his dad died, he married all of his dad's wives and then just added some more for himself too. That was his inheritance? Yeah. <sighs> and um, there were these tapes that he would make for his wives that were to teach him how to sexually please him. And he called these his heavenly trainings. Also, also, before we end this, he um, represented himself in court. A smart move. <laughs> Super smart. And, and for 30 minutes, he just stared at the jury in his closing arguments. Bold move, Cotton. <laughs> like, I think that he is such a psychopath that he's he like, this work. is what's going to, yeah, really get him. Mind, mind games. Yeah. Mind and they're all looking at him like, you're an you're, absolute psycho. you're going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story of the FLDS. Well, that was very educational. Yeah. I did not know any of that. But I might need to check me out some reality TV soon. Yeah. I don't love Sister Wives. It was good in the beginning. But, like, it gets just, like, too TLC. Maybe I'll go season one. Yeah. Just get the gist of it. There's an A&E po- um, documentary called, like, Warren Jeffs something something. That's a good one, too. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, and um, all of my sources will be found in the uh, show notes. So if you have an inkling to do some research of your own, you can find it there. Or you can hop in your car and drive to the border of Arizona and <laughs> Short Creek. Utah. Short Creek, shout out. <laughs> Take pictures, mm-hmm. <laughs> postcards. Um, so, Mark, creep factor. Scale of one to ten. Uh, he is a, t- a twelve. <laughs> yeah, he's the crew a twelve. Early on, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. It sort of falls in the middle. Mm-hmm. It was more educational about the difference between the two because I do feel like Mormons like get a bad rap that they yeah. all believe in multiple wives and, and obviously yeah, no. not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but like all miscommunication, like you don't know what you don't know right. and you just go with what you hear and that's super dangerous. So right. I feel like that was really awesome and a lot of history. So got yeah. some got some nerd on there. I'm into it. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Culture. Um, We would love it so much if you could please, please, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends if you like the podcast, and uh, maybe we'll give you a shout out. Yeah. Also, follow us on Instagram at the.cult.ure. And catch us next time for your next dose. Stay weird, fam. Later. Later.